You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Spring and Albert Breer, the Monday morning quarterback, senior NFL reporter joining us from the NFL meetings. I don't know if that's big news down there that Taysom Hill is some, the, the quarterback experiment is over now that Sean Payton is not in New Orleans and now he's going to focus on being a tight end. It's an expensive tight end they have. Yeah, but I think the quarterback experiment was over when you look at the structure of the contracts that he did. Yeah. And you saw like how the numbers jump to like quarterback, like real quarterback numbers if he's actually playing quarterback. So like once you saw that contract, it's like they're not playing him at quarterback anymore because they weren't going to pay the freight, especially with all the, the, the cap issues that they have. All right. I wanted to talk to you, uh, have you on because of the overtime rule, the proposals that are going on. Where are we yeah. right now? And, you know, when do they vote on these proposals or a, a singular proposal? I, I think the, the meeting, the competition committee meeting is from 1030 to 1130. So like the vote will come relatively soon. I think we'll get it, you know, well before noon. Um, and like talking to a couple informed people last night, it, it sounds to me like 50-50, like 50% it gets tabled and they talk about it again in May. Um, you know, and, and I think there's like a 25% chance maybe it's, it's for the playoffs only, 25% it's for everything. And so, you know, part of the issue here, Dan, and a lot of people haven't talked about this, but there's a third proposal that's come up now. So you know what the Indianapolis-Philadelphia proposal is where it guarantee a possession for each team. Uh, the Tennessee proposal where you can only end it um, if you have the first possession if you go for two. The third proposal is really interesting. It was initially called continuation. I think now they've started to call it extended period. Roger Goodell, Troy Vincent, like this has been talked about at the highest levels of the league over the last couple of days quietly. They're going to bring it up in the competition committee meeting. The idea would be the game just continues. So if you have the ball at the end of the fourth quarter, like it's almost like instead of going from first half to second half, you're going from third quarter to fourth quarter again where you flip the field, but the team that has the ball keeps the ball. And so then you go into sudden death. It takes the coin toss out of it. It means the possession that you have in overtime is an earned possession. It's not a random thing. And it mitigates the issue with the quarterbacks. And I think the main thing here is the overtime rule change they made 10, 12 years ago was because the kickers were too good, right? The reason they're doing it, the reason this overtime things come up again is because the quarterbacks are too good. And so I think that there's a concern, like, where does that end? You know what I mean? Like, and are we going to be back here five or 10 years from now talking about something else? Whereas if you went to the continuation model, you take the coin toss out of it, you make the possession earned, and whoever has the ball has the ball. So I, like, I'll be honest with you, like this came onto my radar over the weekend. So I don't, haven't had like all this time to workshop. And I think a lot of people are like that. I don't think they'll vote on continuation today, but I think it's possible that that third idea is intriguing enough where they say, okay, like let's table this till May so everybody can have an idea or everybody can have a chance to think about this third idea for a couple of months. Uh, is there more of a market for Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield? I would say there are more teams that would be willing to go with Jimmy Garoppolo as their starting quarterback right now. I think the issues of the two guys are separate. I think there are teams that would roll the dice on Baker and say, okay, like if you're Seattle, like maybe I'd bring in Baker to come and compete with Drew Locke, but I'm not going to do it at $18.858 million. And so with Baker, I think it's purely the money. And there's not a team out there that's willing to lock him in as their starting quarterback. And if you're not willing to lock a guy in as your starting quarterback, you're not going to pay him $18.858 million. So I think ultimately maybe this comes down to Cleveland eating some of the contracts 
and taking some of the money on and then trading him for whatever, a day three draft pick. Whereas with Jimmy, it's about the shoulder. Um, this is Jimmy. This is the last year of Jimmy's contract. And so if you're trading for him, you're trading for him for right now. Like that's the only reason you're trading for him. And if Jimmy's not going to throw until the end of June, beginning of July, that means you've got no spring work, right? And while they think he's going to be okay coming back, like in August and September, you don't know that. So if you bring him in for one year and you have doubts about maybe where he'll be in September and October, maybe you feel good he'll be there in November, well, then that mitigates that one-year benefit that you're getting for having him on the roster. And, oh, by the way, because he already missed the spring, he's going to come in a little bit behind in training camp anyway. And so I think the uncertainty with the shoulder is the biggest issue in moving Garoppolo. And the Niners at one point thought they were going to be able to get a couple of second-round picks for him, whereas with Mayfield, I think it's the fact that nobody would be willing to take him on as like their lock, stock, and barrel starter, which makes the money a problem. Well, that's what I wondered about Garoppolo, that they were entertaining the idea of getting two second-round picks for him. But that does that mean Trey Lance is ready to go next season as your starter? Yeah, so – I think where they are on Trey, they like him a lot. Like, and if you look like his trajectory last year was he looked raw when they first got him. They got to the summer. There's a 40 day days off that they have between June and July. He comes back and like incredible, like improvement. Right. So if you remember the first 10 days of camp, there was like a real question, like, could he come and take the job from Jimmy? And then he leveled off. And he didn't play very well when he got his first chance to play like week four or five, whatever it was. The tape wasn't good. But then towards the end of the year, he started to ascend again. I think where they are on Trey right now, they could play him. But Kyle can't run his conven- like the conventional Kyle Shanahan offense yet with him. And he'd have to game it up a little bit. Now, we know we remember what that looked like when he had Robert Griffin in Washington all those years ago. I think he feels like he could do that. Hmm. Ideally, do they want to do that? I mean, if Jimmy's still around, then, then maybe there'd be that question. Whereas if Jimmy's gone, I think they're, you know, they go all in on a different type of offense for right now to make it work for Trey Lance in the short term while he grows as a quarterback. He's Albert Breer, senior NFL reporter, Monday morning quarterback, joining us from the uh, NFL meetings. I know that the Dolphins said it was fake news about uh, Tom Brady and <laughs> Tom Brady wanting to go there. Rumors out of Boston that uh, they were yeah. in discussions there. Anything with any morsels of that true? I think it was a discussion point, but I think for the Dolphins, but I think it was a discussion point before Mike McDaniel became the coach. So I think that's sort of where the divide is. And I do know this, like the owner, after coming out of the Watson thing in the fall, I think the owner really decided, okay, like we have this advantage with a quarterback on a rookie contract. I want to find out about Tua, and I want to get an answer on Tua. And I think that, that's part of why they trade for Tyree Kill and they signed Tron Armstead. It's like, take all the excuses away. Like, let's find out what we have because after three years, based on the way rookie contracts are set up in the NFL, that's when you got to make your decision on a young quarterback. I mean, you see the tension between Kyler Murray and the Cardinals right now. That's the juncture contractually that the Dolphins are going to be at with Tua next year. So I think the owner really kind of wanted to see on Tua – but the possibility of Brady, the tie to Flores, all that different stuff, I think that was sort of something that had been a thought in that organization for a while. I don't think it really is anymore. And I think part of it for Brady, too. I mean, look, he had like that – I don't even want to call it retirement. Like, it's like a five- to six-week cooling-off period so you can think about things, right? And, like, I think part of the whole process for Brady personally was coming to terms with – 
if I'm going to play in 2022, it's going to have to be in Tampa. And then the reason he came back when he came back on March 10th was because he knew to get guys back and all the free agents they had to get those guys back, it would have to be then. Otherwise, he'd risk coming back to a shell of the team that he played with the last couple of years. Explain the expansion of the Rooney rule. So there are a couple of different things there. Um, there's the requirement um, that they bring in and like that every team brings in like a, either a diverse or a, a female um, a candidate to, or a coach, assistant coach that works on the offensive side. That coach is going to have, you know, a direct line to the head coach. There are going to be sort of things built in to like define the role of that person. The idea being that that person could eventually grow into becoming a quarterback's person, which is where the real pipeline is. And we've seen this over the last few years intensify. Like that, that, that they're going to get more diversity in the quarterback coaching pipeline. So that's the idea there. They added women to the Rooney rule, the definition of the Rooney rule. And we'll see how that plays out. I don't think we're there yet, but maybe, you know, five, 10 years from now, that becomes more of a, like a realistic piece of, of, of the discussion. You know, and, and then I think one of the biggest things, Dan, is like what they're talking about doing outside of it, which is if you talk to like black assistant coaches who've interviewed for jobs, I'm telling you the number one complaint, and I, I, it's, it's an easy number one, is I'll interview, I think it went well, and then the owner will tell me he was more comfortable with this guy over here. It's like, well, what does that mean? And what these guys are saying is you need to get us in front of the owners, right? And so I think for the first time, I, you know, hearing them say yesterday, we need to get young assistant coaches, young scouts in front of the owners in social settings, in non-interview settings, mm. do it at the combine, doing it at the owners' meetings. That's really important. So and maybe in some cases, a guy's interviewing for a job, and it's not the first time that he's met that owner. If the comfort level thing is a problem – then that's the only way to fix it, as I see it anyway. The worst-dressed head coach there at the NFL meeting, Susu. <laughs> You're going to get me in trouble here, huh? Uh, I know Matt Rule took a beating on Twitter yes. uh, yesterday, <laughs> right? Like, so Whose pants was, were, was he wearing? Because they looked like they, they were a foot too long. They were a little too long. Like that's like, I mean, I, I, when I saw his pants, and I love Matt, but I, when I saw his pants, I sort of thought to myself, like, that's like when you like, when you're on a trip and you like dump wine on your pants or something like that, and you got to go to like the outlet store and just pick up whatever you can get, right? Yeah, yeah. Like it felt like one of those situations for me. Um, I don't know who the worst dressed to be. Like I said, you're gonna get me in trouble here, Dan. Um, well, Mike McCarthy's not here. He might have been a candidate. Andy Reid, you could make an argument both ways, right? Like some people would say he's the worst dressed. Other people would say he's the best dressed. Mm. Where are you at on that? Um, he's got the, the Luau collection that, right. that he seems yeah. to have trademarked there. And Belichick's not there, right? Bill, Bill's here. Oh, he is. No, Bill's, oh, oh Bill he didn't was, show Bill, up for the picture. Yeah. He actually, the story was that he and Matt Patricia were hustling towards the, um, towards the, 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 the front of the hotel, which is where the picture was taking. And they were hustling towards the front of the hotel and they didn't quite make it. So I'm sure he was heartbroken that, that he couldn't be in the picture, <laughs> but, but he has a very bill has bill has a bill. Bill's had a bill has a, if he, at these meetings. Bill's a very Nantucket golfer. Look, if that makes sense, like kind of pastels, maybe some white shorts and like a golf visor. Yeah. That's because of his uh, wife or his girlfriend. 
She, yeah, yeah. That, oh, she definitely has a hand in the wardrobe. Oh, no question. Absolutely. Yeah. Are you reporting that? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yes. Go I, can, I, I think I think I can safely report that. Uh, any other rule changes that we need to be aware of? Because it feels like sometimes these things sneak up on us, and we go, "Wait, when did that happen?" And somebody go, "Go, that was in March." No, I mean, like there's so there's so there's a rule that was experimental with the onside kick. I won't bore you with the details, but it was like a health and safety thing that they're gonna you know move from temporary to permanent. I think that's sort of a formality. Um, you know, the Rooney Rule stuff was important. This is like what's interesting is like. Outside of like the overtime thing, there weren't rules changes. And normally you'll have like six or seven things and yeah. some will go through and some won't. I actually like talking to coaches, like that's a positive thing. That means like the rules are maybe in a decent place. And I think that should help the officiating too. I mean, look, the officials have taken a beating the last few years and in some cases rightfully so. I mean, you've been on the field for an NFL game. I don't know how anybody makes heads, of, heads or tails at field level of what's going on. And so I've always thought about like how those guys have to train their eyes to see things. And if you're training your eyes to see things and then you've got to like process five changes, six changes to the rules every year, like how difficult that would be. I wonder if the rules are stagnant for a couple of years, if officiating would improve. And I certainly know like the coaches like the fact that they don't have to go back to their players now and say, yeah, these five or six things, you got to do them differently. Are you the most famous person in that room right now? Um, <laughs> no comment. <laughs> what? Well, I don't want to sound. I don't want to sound like a jerk, but I might be right now because the coaches are in meetings. So. <laughs> so there might be some NFL reporters in there, but you're more famous. I'm very, hum- I'm, 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 I'm very humble. Okay. I, like, I don't, I don't want to, don't want to talk about myself that way, Dan. <laughs> okay. Uh, I won't tell Peter King you said that. Uh, Albert, great to, great to talk to you. Thanks for joining us as always. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. That's Albert Breer from the NFL meetings and, uh, of course, Monday morning quarterback. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. Kelly Slater, friend of the show, he's in the Bracket Challenge. Right now, he is in second place, but he has uh, Duke, UCLA, Arizona, and Kansas. He has UCLA beating Arizona in the national title game. Well, he doesn't pick games for a living. He still surfs for a living. Just turned 50, still the best surfer in the world. He and Tony Hawk, Sean White, were at the Oscars to present a tribute to the 60-year anniversary of the James Bond franchise. And Kelly joins us on the program. Good morning, Kelly. On a scale of 1 to 10, how nervous were you at the Academy Awards? Not that nervous. I don't know, maybe uh, 5, maybe average. Really? Well, did it help having Tony and Sean there with you? Yeah, probably so. I think it did. I, I, I didn't think too much about it. You know, we're a little bit of a fish out of water at that thing, so... It wasn't, um, I don't know. I've been more nervous at, at speaking at school and, you know, when I was in high school, talking to people in front of class or something, you know. Who was the coolest person <laughs> you met Sunday night? Coolest person I met. Jeez. Um, I went up and tried to say, tried to say hi to Snoop Dogg because I met him a long time ago. He, he kind of big timed me, so Ooh. I didn't get to say hi to him. Ooh. Um, <laughs> I, I love Snoop Dogg, though. 
Um, Queen Latifah, I love her. She, she was sitting next to us at the show, and, and she's always been really nice. I met her about 20 years ago, but she's, she's great. All right, so where were you when the slap happened? Well, I was getting ready to run on stage because he, I didn't like him making fun of bald people. <laughs> well, were you ready to go on stage and slap Chris Rock? Is that what you're saying, Kelly? <laughs> no, I was kind of, um, you know, it's it, I, unfortunately, I was I was sitting off to the side and I wasn't really sort of paying attention. I, I looked over and kind of saw Will walking up there and I, I thought it was part of the skit. And um, so I, you know, I don't know, there's three, four hours of you sitting there. So you're not paying attention to everything that's happening. And I was sort of looking down and I heard the slap and I looked up and I was like, whoa, what just happened? And the whole place went like, <gasps> and everyone kind of went quiet. And then Will kept cussing and yelling at him and you can hear every single word, you know, it was like really awkward. And I think a lot of people started kind of laughing at first because they thought it was the skit and then realized right away it was not the skit, but it's, you know, it was really confusing, I think, for everyone, really uncomfortable and um, just a very strange moment. But look, people are, you know, all of us are have our faults. All of us have our moments um, of good and bad. And I think uh, for whatever reason, it was just one of those moments that didn't go to to plan. And um, I'm, I'm sure... Uh, I'm sure they're both really embarrassed about it and maybe sad about it. And it, it, it's a, I, I can see both sides of it. I felt kind of worse for Chris Rock at the time, but I, I can see both sides of the equation. Could you hear the slap? Yeah. And that's why I looked back up and went, Whoa, <laughs> heard that Stockton slap, you know? And then what, but then they go to commercial break and everybody's consoling Will Smith and Jada. Is anybody checking on Chris Rock who got smacked? Well, we don't exactly know when all the breaks are happening. You know, you, uh, they, I guess, well, they do give us a little time thing on the TV. So you, you, you have an idea, but um, I don't know. Everyone was kind of ta- looking up and watching it, but then also like talking to themselves. And obviously the moment the night was going to be about Will Smith because everyone's like, oh, it's his time. He's going to win his Oscar. And so it's just a, it's just an unfortunate event, but there's some great memes. <laughs> I know. Who were you sitting with? Um, I was sitting next to between Tony Hawk and Sean White, and then Queen Latif was next to us. Travis Barker and <clears throat> and uh, Courtney Kardashian were behind us. We were kind of in this little bubble. Samuel L. Jackson was off to the side, so I was kind of watching Samuel L. Jackson to see what he was going to do. But um, I don't know. It was just a gosh, man, what a what a strange. A uh, moment in time, you know. Was Travis Barker making out uh, the entire time? With his, not with me. No, with his not girlfriend. With no. <laughs> not, not, yeah. No. What, was he? Was, no, they weren't. No, they were cool. They were cool. I've, kn- I've known Travis a long time, so we were chatting a little bit. And um, uh, he actually, it was re- I thought it was really interesting because he played, he he was kind of the house band and he played uh, drums be- for Reba McIntyre's song. And um, I really, when I saw him up there, I thought this is going to be interesting because I don't know what, what, you know, how many different styles of music he plays. I'm sure he can play anything, but if his drumming fits super well and was really interesting behind Reba McIntyre. Um, so that's something to take into, take into account when you watch that. 
He's Kelly Slater uh, joining us on the program. I was wondering, you know, when I saw you and Tony and Sean, the physical toll of skateboarding, snowboarding, and surfing. How would you rank those with the physicality of the toll it takes on your body? Uh, I think skating's probably the worst. And then, yeah, I was talking to Tony and Sean about that, how surfing, we we get a lot of ankle, knee injuries, occasionally some back injuries, but every fall you're on water, right? So it's not so bad. Then now and then you hit the reef and get cut. So we get a lot of scrapes and cuts, but um, they don't drown. Those guys don't drown. (laughs) So that's like, we we have a whole different, we kind of have like a lot of small injuries and then we have this whole other level. Then you just skip the middle ground and you go to drowning. Is there, um, is there a strategy to not drowning? Well, there's a lot of cross training that guys do uh, and girls do uh, in the pool and in the ocean, uh, breath work, free diving, understanding how close you are to that. When you do classes, you can figure out how close you are to that level. Cause a lot of times you'll hear a million surfers say, God, I almost drowned this one time. And like, I don't know if you actually almost drowned. I, I feel like I've come close a couple times to getting to that pass out stage, but um, can you relax? Is that the best thing to do? You have to relax. You have to, you have to, in the middle of a maelstrom, like of chaos, you have to learn how to relax. And that's the whole idea is once you do some training around that and you deal with fear, you start to understand that when fear comes up, your heart races, your oxygen burns quicker. Um, you have to override that. You have to override the software in your brain. That's that's that, that fear button. that's telling you to be scared. You have to override that and trust that, the calmer you are, the longer you're going to last and, and the better chance you have coming up and then just being fine. Uh, but you can quickly get yourself in a panic. And uh, it, that's why the cross training, like in the, in a pool, going in a pool, what we do is we do these, um, these, these training methods where when it starts, you get in the pool and you swim as fast as you can to the other side underwater on one breath, like, you know, a 25 meter pool or whatever. And when you get to the other side, you start taking your vitals, your heartbeat, you, um, how many strokes it took you to get there, et cetera, how long and how long the swim was. And then once you start to learn a method to a more efficient swimming uh, underwater and being calmer, you do it again. You test your time, which will take you like twice as long. You check your heartbeat, will, heartbeat which will be somewhere between a third and a half of what it was. and uh, uh, everything just drops down if you're more calm and you do it in a more efficient way. And you, you learn to do a certain stroke where you, you do one big stroke and kind of flutter kick your feet and you let your momentum glide you through the water. And when you do that, you, I went from, I don't know, say 12 or 15 strokes underwater to get from one side to the other down to four. I can do a whole pool in four strokes, like Olympic sized pool. Um, and I could probably do triple or more the amount of time underwater if I'm calm. Well, plus, uh, you know, Tony Hawk and Sean White don't have to worry about sharks. Rarely they have to worry about sharks in their line of line of work, right? Yeah, or more big locals that don't like you being there, you know, stuff like that. What do you mean yeah. big locals? Oh, like when you, you show up at some surf spot somewhere in the world and there's some big grumpy guy who, who surfed there every day of his life and he Wait, didn't want you to Wait, even if waves. you show up? 
<laughs> uh, it doesn't matter. Wave, waves are more important than people in, in our world. Can you just show up at any beach, though, and, and people won't bother you? Um, no, not necessarily. Uh, there's, a, there's just a funny protection mechanism that happens at, at good waves around the world. Most, you know, 99% of places I show up, I'd be fine, and people would be happy to surf with me or whatever, or, or any of the pros, people they know in the surf world. But there are some places where they just don't want you because – they like what they have, and, and that's what's important to those people, and that's totally understandable. Imagine some guy that is going to bring undue notice to your neighborhood showing up. You know what I mean? It's really kind of that thing. It's no different. It's just kind of human nature. Well, they're territorial because this is our spot. We don't want it to become famous. We don't want exactly. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. this influx hey. of, of surfers there. Do yeah, you, do totally, you miss, and I get it. Do you miss playing team sports? Did you miss that? growing up i played oh no i played team sports i played football basketball baseball i actually loved it i i really liked baseball i was i really liked playing in the field and um i love football i was uh, i was crazy about football like a fanatic about football as a kid and i played uh defensive safety and uh nose guard nose tackle <laughs> and um as yeah but i was like 10 at the time but i loved it and i was actually I was small, but I was fast and I was strong. I could actually sort of sneak through the line and get a few sacks. So it, that was really fun to me. If you could uh, change places with any other athlete, like if I said you could have Tom Brady's career or you could have yours. Mm -hmm. I'd have mine. How come? I just think what I do is the most fun thing in the world. I love surfing more than anything. Although I, I really admire Tom, I, what he's done has been amazing, and I'm a fan. I grew up a Bucks fan from the time I was, a, I was born. It was the only team I was a fan of. I, uh, when I was a little kid, it was like Ricky Bell and Leroy Selman and <laughs> Doug Williams and, uh, you know, that whole thing. And, and the creamsicle uniforms back then. Yeah, and I, I that was really my only team, and and it's you know we never did good, and we lost hope for a long time, and then I heard rumor that Tom was going to play for Tampa Bay, and about a week or two before he announced it, I messaged him and I said, "Tell me it's true, and we can just jump back on this this uh, fan <laughs> bandwagon," and he just sent me a smiling emoji back, and about a week or two later, he announced it, and it, it, I, I've been we, we've been real happy back in Florida. Let's say that. Did you keep it secret, your correspondence? With yeah. yeah, I didn't tell anybody that. That's, you know, yeah. You could have been Adam Schefter. You could have broken the news. You could have been NFL insider and world's greatest surfer in that order. <laughs> no, I think, look, when, if, you, if you have a line of communication with somebody about something that's, that's trustworthy, you, you keep that. And um, I, I thought it was just nice to get that message back. You know, I, I know Tom probably is dealing with a lot of pressure and, and a lot of rumors and stuff. So <clears throat> it's fun to just have that banter with people in the sports world or whatever. Well, uh, <clears throat> congrats. And uh, your bracket's doing okay, but you got UCLA beating Arizona in the national title game. So that's, that's probably not going to work out. But if it does, <laughs> you, then you're going to win. You're, yeah. you're going to win. But uh, these things always come down to this one wild card pick, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know that we do this in the surf world. We have a, uh, we have a fantasy surf league, a couple different fantasy surf leagues and surfing. And um, just, just to be, uh, 
just to be fair, I always pick myself. I never pick my, I never unpick myself. That way it looks like I'm throwing heats for that, you know, $150 prize at the end of the week that my friends give out. You know, I would hate to be Pete Rose in this circumstance. Wow. Wow. Uh, <laughs> what's your schedule the rest of the day? I'm just curious, you know, the life of a surfer here. <clears throat> I'm actually l- literally looking at the surf on my phone right now to see if it's going to be any fun today. But uh, um, what am I going to do? I, at 11 o'clock, I have a meeting. I'm working on a sandal with a shoe company called The Walking Company. So we're going to meet and see the first version of our sandal. And then, I don't know, tomorrow I'm going to TPI, Titleist Performance Institute, with a friend to go get some clubs fitted for him. This week, I'm just getting my surfboards together, my equipment together, surfing a little bit. Um, but let's say you had that meeting at 11 o'clock, but those yep. waves start to kick up. Can you bail on yeah. that meeting? It's happened. <laughs> it's happened before. <laughs> you might make up an excuse that you have to bail on a meeting like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's when, you know, I'm like, oh, my mom's really sick or something. <laughs> yeah. 11-time <laughs> uh, World Surf League uh, champion and uh, great to talk to you. Uh, thanks for joining us as always, Kelly. Dan, great to talk to you again, and uh, all the best to you, man. We'll we still have the we still have the surfboard in here. I don't want to take yep. it out and use it because it's got your autograph on it. So, well, uh, if you do, just film it, please. Film it if I go out. Yes, correct. Oh, it could end poorly. <laughs> Maybe that's it, what you're it hoping. Could, for. It, it could end like this, uh, the, like these fantasy picks yes. when my UCLA team beats Arizona, and you guys are just. I know. Could be the miracle. Miracle win. Thank you, Kelly. All right. That's Kelly Slater. He's pretty good at surfing. But wouldn't trade places with Tom Brady. Kind of surprised at that. Although he's got pretty good gang. I like that uh, he texts Brady, you know, got the smiley emoji back. Could have broke some news there. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app, at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Mike check. Mike check. Do you want exclusive insight from the biggest names in the sports game? What's good? This is national champion and former pro baller Chris Johnson. And let me tell you a little bit about my new series, KJ Live. KJ Live is the only show featuring me going one on one with the brightest basketball minds on the planet to get the real. And when I say real, I mean that real. I got legendary Hall of Famers, elite coaches, and the top basketball insiders bringing you a unique perspective on all things hoops culture that you will not find anywhere else. To make your next move your best move and tap in with me on KJ Live, wherever you get your podcast from. He's Nick Wright. First things first, co-host on Fox Sports 1, also has a uh, podcast that he does, uh, What's right with Nick Wright that he does with his son, and he joins us on the program. Hi, Nick. Hi, Dan. Every time I come on, you guys are talking about some golf course you're going to play. Whatever this happened last time, too. I've played it. Todd, we were talking about Tiger maybe trying to play Augusta. Yeah. And then I I talked about walking it, and it's a lot hillier than what people think when you're watching on TV. And so then See, that's why people come to you for the first hand XC. I could never do that. Yeah. I couldn't, you know, can I, can I reveal something here? I'm in fact, I'm not even asking. I'm going to do it. So Dan and I are actual friends. Now we had dinner together. I'm sure he's talked to you all about it quite a bit. It was a wonderful time. 
And there's nothing that, you know, every once in a while, my ego needs a resetting. And I got it at this meal because I walk into this fancy steakhouse Dan invites me to. And he and I are walking towards our table and at each, each, you know, different person, whether it's the maitre d' or the waiter or the bus or whomever it is, his name is Mr. Patrick and my name is Sir. And I'm like, damn, don't know me, do they? I know him. He's Mr. Patrick. I'm just the guy with him. Like, is that your accountant friend? Who is that? Okay. All right. So, yeah, but but it was a great time. It was great to see you, my friend. Yes, it my was. My friend, Dan Patrick. Yes, yes. Um, we thought the over-under was how long, Paulie? 90 seconds before we mentioned your dinner. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. how? where did he go? Was he under? Was he 18, under? 18 seconds. Oh, 18 seconds. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, I bet the under, buddy. Okay. Get, cash in. <laughs> Pay me. A uh, couple of NFL things. Yeah. Why do you think the NFL is looking at reconsidering overtime. Oh, listen, I, because they, they I think that they're doing it because the media is pushing them to do it. I don't think they should do it. I think that there is, I think sometimes the NFL can be a somewhat reactionary league. And, you know, when Patrick Mahomes got screwed out of a chance to go to a Super Bowl four years ago, nobody cares because the, the Patriots get to go. So there wasn't a big push for it. But when, God forbid, Josh Allen doesn't get a chance to go to the Super Bowl, then all of a sudden we have to redo things. It's stupid. The goal of sports is to win in regulation. If you don't win in regulation, you have failed to achieve your goal. Fairness is no longer my biggest concern. Like, you you have failed to achieve your goal, and the idea that we can just act like fatigue and injury aren't a big part of this, I think is silly. The initial reaction you had when Tyreek Hill announced he was going to the Dolphins from your Chiefs was? Well, the initial reaction was I was not pleased, obviously. But once I had time to fully digest it and think about it and see the return, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it for a number of reasons. One is the we have about a 10-player list of over the last few years, excellent player X traded for first-round pick and then some. And aside from the Jalen Ramsey trade, there isn't a single one that you would say, oh, if you remove the quarterbacks, I'm not talking about Stafford, take quarterbacks out of it, you know, position player guy, that you would say is a home run for the acquiring team. Stephon Diggs was a home run for the Bills, but it was also a home run for the Vikings. They got uh, they got Justin Jefferson. Khalil Mack did not work out for the Bears. Jamal Adams did not work out for the Seahawks. Uh, Laramie Tunsil has not worked out for the Texans. So I think in the moment, it sucks because you lose an awesome player. But then when you get the, you're not paying the player all that money and you're getting the draft picks, it can work out. And I get thrown in my face by your favorite member of First Things First, Kevin Wilds. That's the other thing at this dinner. My God, you couldn't stop talking about how much he likes Wilds. It's like, hey, buddy, I'm here. He's not. Sorry, you wouldn't respond to your text. But regardless, set that aside. Wilds always throws in my face the Patriots this, Patriots that, the real dynasty. This is a move the Patriots would have made, correct? Yeah. Trade Tyreek Hill rather than pay him $30 million a year. So I'm okay with it. Yeah, it's like Richard Seymour when they traded him to the Raiders. Exactly what I said. It's not because they thought Richard Seymour was done being a great player. It's because they thought that that they could add more total value to their team with the draft capital acquired and with the cap space freed up to fill in other holes. I think their offense, I think if you have Patrick Mahomes and an adequate offensive line and they have now more than adequate offensive line, your offense is at worst an A-. minus. And so fill in the holes elsewhere. But the rest of the AFC West came up. Well, 
That is true. With that said, there's that, that cuts both ways. So you have the Broncos win right now, win right now, trade all those picks. The Raiders win right now, win right now, trade all those picks. Well, they sure as hell better hope they win because, by the way, I think the Broncos and Raiders, despite the moves of the third and fourth teams in the division, I think the Chiefs and Chargers still ahead of them. And if they don't win right now, now they're minus picks. So the Chiefs, meanwhile, are plus picks. But the other thing is this. Of course, the other teams in the AFC West are trying to catch up. Chiefs won this division six years in a row. That's the that's four Mahomes years and two Alex Smith years. And I, I know it's like trendy right now. It's not trendy in Vegas. Vegas still is the Chiefs as the favorite. But it's trendy to be like, oh, Kansas City, are they going to make the playoffs? <laughs> are they the favorites in the division? And I would just ask people, if, if you take any division in football and say one team has clearly the best coach and clearly the best quarterback, is that team going to be the favorite in every division? The answer is, of course, yes. And the Chiefs clearly have both. He's Nick Wright, First Things First, co-host on Fox Sports 1. I was wondering about the NBA now as we head towards the end of March and we start to handicap how this is going to sort out. And you can't help but think about the Lakers. And I I, I started to think about the Lakers with LeBron usually has a four-year plan wherever he goes. Cleveland, four years, and then Miami, four years, back to Cleveland, now here with the Lakers. Do you think that this four-year, is he in for the long haul with the Lakers, which means maybe one or two more years? Well, I think he's certainly in for the Lakers for next year. I think after that, because you're right about the four-year plans, but he extended the contract a year or so right after the championship. And I think I, I think two things have happened. One is he obviously was wrong in pushing for Russell Westbrook, and the front office was wrong in acquiescing if they actually thought it wasn't going to work. That's what the front office is there for. Um, but I also think maybe LeBron underestimated himself in that how long he was going to be able to still be playing at this level. Because I think if he knew after that year 19, I'm going to win the scoring title, I'm going to average 30 a game, that I could clearly still be the best player on a champion if the right pieces are around me, I think he would have given himself more flexibility. Instead, I think he, maybe he thought, I'm going to be phasing into a different part of my career, so let me t- let me make sure I'm with a franchise that historically is always trying to win immediately and a player, Anthony Davis, 10 years my junior, who, you know what I mean, can be the best guy. AD hasn't stepped up to that. The franchise hasn't stepped up to that. LeBron's done his part, and it's gotten them what might be not even in the play-in. Not even in the play-in. And I have some takes on that, Dan, if you want them. Yeah, because sure. Something funny. So, something, so, okay, so it's all NBA voting time coming up. And by the way, I still don't have a vote. And I was told by people that would know, well, you, you've never worked for a, you know, you don't work for a broadcast, you don't write for a newspaper, hard to get a vote. Then I hear yesterday, Ryan Russillo got a vote. <laughs> I'm sitting right here, guys. I'm sitting right here, no vote. That's fine. Though. So my guy, LeBron James, win the scoring title this year. And I can already see it festering, this idea of, ooh, is he going to be an all – can you be on the all-NBA team if your team misses the playoffs? Can you do it? And to which I would say, first of all, every scoring champion ever has been first or second team all-NBA, except for Bob McAdoo, who fell to Dave Cowan's in terrible vote, and Kareem, that's fine. That's first point. Second point is this. Last year's scoring champion didn't make the playoffs either. Does anybody know who it is? Does anybody remember? Steph Curry. Was there a lot of Steph Curry slander last year, Dan? No. Was there a lot of why isn't Steph Curry carrying the Lakers? 
or the Warriors? No, is it because, oh, he had so recently won a championship? No, LeBron's won a title more recently than him. That's the other thing I have to say about the Lakers. I have these folks would be like, oh, how long does LeBron get to bask in the championship glow? When does the honeymoon end? There's been one champion crowned since the Lakers. Do you know the full list of people who have won a title in the NBA more recently than LeBron James? The Milwaukee Bucks roster? That's it. He's won a championship more recently than everybody else. People are like, oh, man, honeymoon's over. Honeymoon just started. We're what? We just started the honeymoon. Where'd you get the, the, that tone? I mean, you're, 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 you're Mariah Carey. You're going up. You're, I know. You're, you, you, this is, this, this is the, yeah, I only do this on your show. I know. Because I try to bring something to the table, something different. I don't want to make it just like all my other media appearances. Oh, okay. I have the podcast, I have the TV show. Oh. Like why people are oversaturated with Nick Wright content. So why would they tune in specially for this? Mm. And it's because you get this version, right? It gets worked up. <laughs> I brought this up that whenever I bring up MVP candidates, and uh, I I have bo- voted on the uh, NBA awards, but um, you know, I, not anymore because I left those broadcast partners. It, it was really a choice of mine. You know, I wasn't working at the mothership, and I decided that may, I'd let guys like Ryan Rosillo come in and maybe vote on this. No, no offense. And nothing against Ryan, but if he qualifies, how do I not qualify? <laughs> I agree. I recited. Did you see my video? I recited every MVP in league history in reverse order from Jokic to 1960. I screwed up on Bullet Bob Pettit. That's it, 59. That should be part of the criteria, but go ahead. All right, every time I bring up MVPs, candidates, Uh then I leave out Devin Booker. And I hear from the Phoenix Suns fans. And my point to them is, he is your best player. He's not your most valuable player. Because Chris Paul is your most valuable player. And I think Devin Booker is unfairly labeled, characterized as just a great shooter. I think he's a great player. I don't think he's the most valuable player on his own team. So last year, I thought Chris Paul was the most valuable player in the whole league. And I was just crushed by the people that actually have votes saying, how dare you say anyone's more valuable than Nikola Jokic? Then Chris Paul played Nikola Jokic in the playoffs and swept his ass out. (laughs) Let's set that aside. So last year, I was with you. This year, I think Booker has taken another step. And I think it's at least arguable that he is because they played really well without Chris, not quite as well as with him. And he played point guard some, but the best Booker can do is fourth place or fifth place on balance. Like nobody is, even the Suns fans that are arguing he should be included are just arguing. They just want him on the ballot. And the, the guy who I think is not getting included in the conversation, who I think shouldn't just be on the ballot, but as an argument should win it is Luca. What's the argument against Luca? The Mavs might be the three seed. His second best player is Spencer Dinwiddie. His second best player before the trade deadline actively hated him and Chris Stapps. He doesn't have great teammates around him. He's, what is he, 28, 9, and 9? Like, people are like he started slow. Well, he must have picked up steam because on the year he's 28, 9, and 9. So I don't know why Luca's not getting discussed. I think it's a pretty clear at this point top six. I think Ja has played himself out of it because he's missed so much time because they're so they're 18 to without him. I think the top six in one order or another is Luca, Giannis, Embiid, Jokic, Booker, Tatum. I think Booker has to me earned consideration, but just same with Tatum end of the ballot consideration. Yeah. And then you have the Celtics, if they're the number one seed in the East and I got to give credit. I know we sometimes give too much credit. It's like, well, the best player on the best team. And then you got to put him in the MVP conversation, but 
I, you know, Tatum and that, and they play defense too. It's not like a one dimensional guy. Listen, I have been, I, I have been Tatum skeptical compared to other people. Cause people are like, Hey, he's top 10 player. And I'm like, okay, list them because you list you, these guys have 16 people in their top 10. You got to actually like, so Tatum, uh, you know, Tatum to me was a right on the cusp of the top 15, along with Booker and Donovan Mitchell and Trey Young, those guys, right? Tatum, what has happened the last six weeks is all of a sudden, instead of being 44% from the field, he's 54% from the field. His efficiency has skyrocketed, and the Celtics are 31 and 10 since New Year's Day. Well, that's a half a season of a 60 win pace. So you have to get, that's not a small sample anymore. Yeah. And so Tatum, to me, it's not just that they're winning more. He's playing better. I still don't totally trust them in a series. And I'll tell you this much, their fans don't trust them either because their fans were all angry. Oh, Nick, they're the one seed. Respect the Celtics. And then Robert Williams went down and they're like, oh, what? Are, oh, we're screwed now. I don't mean to be rude. Robert Williams is a nice player. If your championship hopes were Robert Williams contingent, then you didn't have championship hopes, fellas. Just letting you know. Uh, what is, uh, tell us about the podcast, the What's Right with Nick Wright. Oh, thank you for asking, Dan. I appreciate that. Uh, it's a few times a week. It's me with my sidekick happens to be my son, who I told you quite a bit about, about that dinner I mentioned. By the way, that's two over two and a half mentions of the dinner. So By I got the way, under on when I did I it. was going to pay for dinner because Nick you know, always said, oh, I invite you to the games and, you know, yeah. you never want to be around me. He pulls out a wad of cash. So there. Yeah. So we're at a steakhouse, and I go, what yeah. the hell are you doing? And he's just peeling off Bill. Yeah, Paulie. I think that's a bit of a baller move, as the kids say. Well, he came in with a baller coat on. I know that. I had a great coat. Like, it was almost great coat. like a Denzel Washington American gangster type. Like, he came it in. It was a great coat. Yes, it, it was. It was a statement. It's a statement piece. It was, it was It was. a statement wad of money. It was blood and red. all this was intense. The coat was blood red like our steak. And yeah. he came in and, and he meant business there, but he pulls out this wad of cash. And I'm going, who pays with a wad of cash? Well, let, let me tell you a couple things. The And what did I tell you? You were like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm leaving here and going to a poker game. So I need cash on me. Also, I'm not the greatest <laughs> with budgeting. So what I've started to do is at the beginning of a week, I take out X amount of dollars. And when I'm out of them, I'm out of them. No more credit cards for your old buddy, Nick Wright. We're paying cash on everything we can. We're a cash-only business, not a lot of paper trail. We just got – and, by the way, people like it. People respect it, and that waiter appreciated He got his tip in the moment. He didn't have to wait for any card to go through, anything like that. Yeah. But to answer your question about the podcast, it's me and my son. It's a few days a week, and starting here in a few weeks, we are doing something I'd been working on for two years because I thought I was going to write a book, but instead I'm doing it as this – audio video series the 50 greatest players of the last 50 years in nba history so kareem's rookie season essentially to right now the 50 greatest players ever we're getting bernard king snubbed from the top 75 list your your buddy nick wright's got him sydney moncrief an outrageous omission from the top 75 list your buddy's got him so we're gonna do that counting it down how about that all right i like it subscribe people how do they subscribe Oh, on uh, you can subscribe on YouTube if you want to see, uh, if you would like to just listen on your favorite podcast platforms, just type in what's right. That's right with a W. And I would say if I can just get 
10% of Dan Patrick's listeners mm. to subscribe. Mm. And you don't even have to listen, guys. Just hit the subscribe <laughs> button. I don't really care if you listen. I just want you to subscribe. Then I'm I'm in there. All right. then, then all of a sudden. But uh, last thing, last thing. I thought you were going to tell him. Did you tell Paulie why I demanded to pay? I was, My rationale, do you remember? Yes, I do. I wanted to pay, so uh-huh. then I would be out of the doghouse, the Nick Wright doghouse. Yeah. I, like, I, I already, I was good. And then he goes, no, no, I'm going to pay. Because then you have to take me out to dinner because I paid for this dinner. Yeah. Obligated to a second I know, dinner. I know. The yeah. old second dinner obligation. I know. I know. Yeah, Paul. It's like when you go on a first date with a girl yeah. and you leave something at her apartment. Yeah. 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 That's exactly what I was doing, Paul. <laughs> that was ex- exactly what I was thinking. Yep. So I'll see you soon. And I'm getting the Wagyu that time, buddy. Yes. No split steaks. Kobe yeah. beef. Yep. Uh, thank see you. Ya. All right. That's uh, Nick Wright. First things first. Co-host. Fox Sports 1. 